I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Empire. Deal back to Hachimura. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It was more just shocking to hear from him and understanding that he gets the most assists from me and the most spoon-fed baskets ever. You know, the culture is actually damn good. To sit up there and to say you don't have a culture problem in the nation's capital, everything about the organization points to a culture issue. One guy took a in another guy's shoe. I'm a little pissed off about it, but I know how I am. I was kind of expecting it. It's disrespectful. It was like Eric Killmonger going for total domination. What's up, is my? We're not going to be fucking sunk this year with the Stanley Cup champions! This podcast is all over social media, so follow us on Twitter at Beltway Bro Pod, Instagram at Beltway underscore sports underscore bros underscore podcast. Also, the Facebook group, just search Beltway Sports Bros Podcast. And you can also find us at BeltwaySportsBros.com. There's a podcast player right on the front page. If someone you know doesn't want to or know how to download a podcast app or even knows what a podcast is, just tell them to go to the website and hit play. Simple as that. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Beltway Sports Bros. I'm Matt Vazana, and as always, my brother, Noel. Noel, uh, how you doing? Doing okay. Yeah. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. Good, good. Another solid weekend of football. I'm feeling good and Honestly, I'm I'm looking forward to the second part of the show. I'm, I want to I want to move on from the football team and move on to some b-ball. We are here to talk first about our football team, for better or worse. Yeah, unfortunately, we have the task of that kind of comes with the territory. But as Noel mentioned later on, we're going to have Wizards Insider and Bullets Forever contributor, also host of Believe in Wizards podcast, with our old buddy Matt Moderno. He'll be talking some uh, Wiz and NBA draft, and you know he knows his stuff on there. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Ready to come back. <laughs> ready to come back. <laughs> Have you come to terms with Matt being on the show? Are you okay with this? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm 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 a professional, <laughs> Matt. Okay, I'm a professional. Well, thank you for that. I'm sure he'll whatever it takes to win. <laughs> Consummate <laughs> professional. <laughs> so let's talk about Washington's gut wrenching loss to the Lions. It's a good way to put it. But first, some injuries to report. DeShazer Everett left the game with a high ankle sprain, to which Troy Apke took his spot and almost gave up a 65-yard touchdown <laughs> in prevent defense <laughs> you know, on Detroit's final drive. So something to look forward to going forward. Also, uh, Cornelius Lucas, starting left tackle, well, technically backup left tackle, left the game with an ankle injury. And Morgan Moses slid over to left tackle. And David Sharp took over at right tackle. So we don't know his situation, but thought Morgan actually did halfway decent at left. Yeah, no, in a pinch, absolutely. Yeah. There's less expectations over there for him, so good. But no, I think he did a good job. As, I really did. as they say, it's like learning to write with your right hand and then learning to write with your left hand. I mean, I've never, yeah, never yeah, switched no. like that, but I'm assuming it can't be an easy situation. But uh, well, go ahead. You know, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we just start with the obvious things. First off, 
out of the gate, slow again. Yep. At some point in time, who's responsible for this? It's the coaching staff. Right. Who else would it be? And you know what was Actually, you know surprising? what? Hold on. It's, it's actually Dan Snyder who hired the yeah, coaching yeah. staff. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Haven't heard that name in a while. Haven't heard that one. Yeah. yeah. He's on his yacht somewhere. Yeah. We got to liven up the show, so bring up his name a couple more times so I get fired up. But what I'm thinking is, is and actually, you know what was a surprise to me? And I didn't realize this. So we probably should have. They are the only team in the NFL that doesn't have an opening drive score. I was surprised I, when I saw that. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I didn't realize that it hadn't happened at all. That is a microcosm of this football team. They're at negative 76 points in the first half differential. That's pretty good. Is that not good? That is a touchdown, dude. A game. You're going into a behind the eight ball every single game, and you're not a good football team. And you're supposed to have a good defense. We can X's and O's all we all day long, but there's some type of disconnect between what they want to do on the field or what impression is being given that needs to be done on the field and what's being applied. That's all I can say. How is this becoming a trend every single game outside of the Cowboys game, which is an aberration because of where the Cowboys were at that point? And this one actually went into the second half, which is kind of unusual, down by 21 points. But it's nothing we haven't seen. It's the same old shit, same old soup warmed over. You're right. It's a. It's got to be the coaching staff. They're not preparing these guys. They're not maybe getting them riled up enough. I don't know why the players need the coaching staff to do that, but I also think it's a schematic thing. Apparently, they're halfway decent at changing midway through the game, making adjustments, but it's embarrassing. I don't understand how difficult it is. Usually, it's the other way around, right? Yeah. You know, you start out, you've got your script, your, your plays scripted, and in this game, they started out well on offense, but of course... They decided they needed to get cute they got and cute, run the reverse. The, run the reverse, lose 10 yards or whatever, and then Alex Smith takes that horrendous sack, and I tweeted out, apparently okay for Alex Smith to take a sack to put him out of field goal range, yeah, but to not take a Haskins. 20, to take a 20-yard sack. I mean, yeah. or whatever it was to put him out of field goal range, and yeah. Well, Dustin Hopkins range, not real field goal <laughs> yeah, range. That's for I mean, sure. I mean, it would have been like a 53-yarder. It may as well be a 59-yarder, you know? Yeah, right. Well, the first half is decent drive stalled, 11-play drive fumble by McLaurin. I give him a pass. Yeah. If yeah. it was called the other way, they wouldn't have overturned it. Well, one of those. yeah, it was a bang, bang play. I mean, and if the quality of that camera, the camera looked like it had fucking Vaseline on it when they're looking at the instant replay of it. You can't see anything. There's a knee and then know. it's blurred out. So like, oh, this is, there's no way on God's green earth this will be overturned. And it shouldn't have been based on the view that they had. It looked but, like the hey, ball was moving before his knee hit. It did. It did. So regardless, I had no inclinations that that was going to be overturned at all. And that stalled a good drive. And I will say, and I've been a critic since day one, Alex Smith played a good game. I yeah. will say that. I think he went to McKissick a tad too much. I mean, you're targeting your running back 15 times. He's not Marshall Falk, okay? <laughs> I get it. He's your safety blanket and all that, but you're not looking at LaDainian Tomlinson here. Yeah. To me, in my opinion, Gibson could have done exactly those things, and he used to be a damn receiver, for God's sakes. Put him out there. Start dumping the ball off to him. See what he can do. I like McKissick. Hey, 
I picked him up on my fantasy team. He's going to be Alex's go-to oh, the remainder. Absolutely. Believe that. So, but, I, but I will say that Alex wasn't just checking down. No, no, um, no. Absolutely. He, through the first three quarters, I mean, he was averaging 10 yards a, a reception. Yep. And yep. then, you know, that's when he really started. When they were playing a full-on prevent, that's when he was sure, just taking. Sure. But he, he was forcing the ball down the field. And the one thing that sucked, and you could really tell in his face, I mean, the guy threw 55 times. He was exhausted by the end. Yeah exhausted. I know. And you could tell that he was, he didn't have the same zip on the ball. He wasn't hitting his targets like he was earlier in the game. And it's bound to happen. I mean, what do they have? They had 83 plays in that game to 55. Right. So (laughs) the reason the Lions had so few is because they were hitting 50-yard bombs. But If I was a fan of Alex, I would have rooted for the win for him because he deserved it. He put everything out there. As far as the Washington football team, yeah, yeah 400 side, yards passing. I mean, uh, okay. but yeah, I would venture to say, regardless of the yardage and everything else, I'm talking about the character that he brought to the game. He fought them back in the game, but they had three fucking points in the first half. This team gives up 29 or whatever points a game. You're punting, you're turning the ball over, drive stalled. This has got to end in some form or fashion. Personally, I think it was a defense in the first half. The offense wasn't world beaters by any stretch, but the defense was giving up big play after big play. They were running. That doesn't they were, have they anything were, they were to do with Washington throat. not scoring points, though. What does that have to do with them scoring points? Okay, then the game should have been twenty-one to twenty-four. All right. Well, Dustin Hopkins missed a forty-three yarder. All right. We're, we're nickel and diamond over here. Fine. That's six. That would have been a, a pretty big field goal. I mean, how Matt, things ended I'm up. I'm talking about you had three points against one of the worst defenses as far as giving up points in the league, and you were scrounging for three points at the half. Yes, you came back and showed some life in the second half, but why are you only scoring three points and a half? Regardless of whatever the situations are, a fumble on a drive, a shitty reverse play, a sack given up to take you out of field goal range, another limp dick shot by Hopkins that can't fucking hit a field goal. But you still only put up three points. Against the Giants, you still only put up certain amount of points. Other teams are putting up more points than this team. Well, they're not a That's good offense. That's my point. They're one of the worst offenses in the league. Well, you can sit here and play devil's advocate about it all you want to, why they're doing it. But you can't, if you ain't going to win unless you score. They continuously shoot themselves in the foot. And one of my number one things from the preview was stay even in, in turnover differential. You don't even need to be positive. Just be even. And the one that they lost would have won the game for him, you know, with McLaurin losing that in field goal range. And you could also say that that was a turnover when Alex Smith took that horrendous sack. It wasn't a turnover per se, but it was just enough to, to knock him out. They're constantly shooting themselves in the foot. And then for some reason, they get it all together, but it's always too little too late. And it's the most frustrating goddamn thing to watch. I never thought they were going to win this game. They got lucky with that fourth and four with Your that prediction pass interference. Did yes, my prediction. Oh, and by did. the oh, and by the way, sorry to cut you off, mm-hmm. but if it wasn't that bullshit freaking interference call that Washington got on that fourth and four, my prediction would have been one point off. I just want you to know that my prediction was twenty-eight to twenty-four, and it was twenty-seven to twenty-four, and they got bailed out on a bullshit interference call. And I never want to hear that Washington doesn't get calls because that was a horrific call, and it kept them in the game. And they never should have come to that last drive anyway. Well, they made up for it with the Chase Young play. So the Chase Young play—he ran three steps, Matt, and hit him in the back. He's an idiot. No, no, okay. I, I don't. I don't disagree with that, but I don't think that's a, a call every ref would make, especially in that situation on the last drive with ten seconds left. 
okay, second quarter, sure. But you can't, as a ref, step into that situation and take the game away. And they were probably like, oh, well, it's still a 60-yard field goal, whatever. You got Prater over there who has the, the record. I don't, think, I don't think the refs think in those terms about, well, we can. this isn't the NBA. Well, where they're like, all right, we got you on one side, we'll get you on the other side. I, I really don't believe that in that quickness of a situation. Chase Young was coming at him in full speed, had three yards in front of him, and decided after the ball was thrown to take three large steps into the guy and bat him in the back. That's a penalty. Is it ticky-tack that he didn't take his fucking head off? Yes, but he hit should him. Should have made the, it worth he, his while if he was going to fucking do no, it. No, absolutely. Know? I mean, he should have. He should have ripped his helmet off. <laughs> I'm not denying that. But if you go to the previous, and we talked about this when we were texting back and forth after the game, the delay of game is what cost him the fucking game. Yeah, that's what cost him the game. That's what forced them to have to go for the field goal at that point. The delay of game pushed them back. They had to get some yardage back. And then they had to go for the field goal at that point. Otherwise, they could have advanced, potentially gotten a first down, gotten a closer ball, taken more time off the clock, kicked the field and gotten the fuck out of there. But instead, they got that bullshit delay of game, and that was on Alex. I don't give a shit if the play didn't come in or not. You're a veteran enough to know we got to get up to the damn line. I'm screaming at the TV, and this guy's dicking around. Well, it's a butterfly effect, right? If Steven Sims would have caught that ball before then, they wouldn't have been in that situation. Well, he, a delay of game is bounds. a delay of game. In full speed contact football, a guy drops a ball, he drops a ball. But a freaking delay of game is completely 100% under your control. And again, another veteran that's supposed to know the game has made a rookie mistake. And that cost him the game. I don't give a shit how he played. I thought he played a great game, like I said. He was the MVP for Washington. But that particular play cost Washington the game. Was he a reason why they got back into it? Yes. A guy could have 50 points in a basketball game, but he misses those two free throws. He lost them the game, right? But technically, he's the only reason why they were in it to begin with. Yeah. So that was Alex Smith's fault. That's a veteran quarterback two games in a row now. He's made rookie mistakes as a veteran. I'm not hating. This is just math. I know. He's made some critical errors at critical times. Those single plays don't lose games. I mean, there's, as they always say, there's there's a bunch of things that lead up to sure. that. And that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steven no, I Sims know. Thing. I know. But I will say, though, that the skill position players, I'm kind of, I don't know, kind of excited. I, I, excited might be over the top. But I mean, <laughs> I will say, though, they've we talked about it before, how Alex Smith plays. He's got a lot of weapons that work well with his skill set. Yeah. You know? He's got uh, McKissick, who apparently he loves. <laughs> he hit McKissick more times in that game than he has his wife. <laughs> like, hitting it in, you know, in a positive way, not... <laughs> <laughs> not, not in a Ray Rice kind of way. <laughs> not in a Ray Rice kind of way. <laughs> you know, they got Terry McLaurin with that big run. Um, they were they were moving the ball. I didn't hate... The, I mean, I know Detroit has a horrible defense. I get it. But Washington has a horrible offense, and they put up 460 yards of offense, and... It's just the key is with this team, they're not good enough to have stupid mistakes and yeah. they have them t- far too often. In the Giants game, five turnovers and you lose by three and have two opportunities at the end to win the game. This game, down by 21 points, and just start rolling on them. And I just don't understand why they can't start it earlier. You know, yeah. instead of being down 21, try seven. Can we do seven? I think that's a lead that isn't completely insurmountable. I don't know how they would react to that. I don't know how they'd be able to handle that. I sure as hell don't know how the defense would react to it because changing it up on you a little bit, we haven't talked a whole hell of a lot about the defense. 
big plays given up, getting pushed back. The defensive line didn't look good again. Swift looked like a complete beast, was doing it all. Speaking of Marshall Falk, I mean, the guy was catching, the guy was running. Adrian Peterson had a couple of good runs, and he played sparingly. They only had 105 yards rushing. Yeah, I, I thought they had I a hell of a lot more I thought than they that. had like 200 in the first half yeah. just watching the game. But Swift uh, at times looked like the best player on the field. Yeah, he did. And the defensive line, very little pressure. I mean, none. Stafford was back there like Brady, yeah. just like a statue. And then, obviously, the running game in the first half. I mean, it's the same old shit, though. It's the same old shit every single game. They get run on. They get torched. It's been a while since they've gotten a big play thrown on them like a 50 yard or plus but the running game I just I don't understand what the problem is I don't understand they weren't doing anything spectacular they don't have a good running game I know Swift came back I was worried about Peterson I mean shit he had a couple good runs but they didn't need to bring him in no they didn't they were balanced they ran the ball enough and I said that in the preview show about don't allow them to run the ball enough to make Stafford comfortable and that's exactly what happened and I said Stafford can pick you apart And he did. He made the plays when he needed to. Fuller looked human in this game, looked very pedestrian. The defensive line, like you said, got no pressure on Stafford because they were worried about Swift. And there was speed at the wide receiver positions. And the linebackers were getting crushed. Hawkinson on the outside. He didn't do great, but he did enough in order to alleviate, again, some of the pressure off of Stafford. So they had a good game plan coming in, knowing if Washington gets pressure on us, we're screwed. And they did everything in their power, in their scheming, short passes, everything to alleviate pressure off of Stafford, they did it. It wasn't just our line against your line. They ran some great stuff, and I told you, these receivers have speed. They don't fuck around. And they looked it. And that bomb field goal, from that line driver from 59 yards didn't help either. (laughs) I thought that that had no chance. It was going over to the left, and all of a sudden, it just just knuckles back into the middle. I was like, come That would would have been good from probably 68. Oh, yeah. The the trajectory. I can't believe the thing didn't get blocked. No, of course not. Why would it have? But the trajectory of it, and if you look back and watch the way that he took it, he didn't take it like a field goal. He took that like a volley in soccer. (laughs) I mean, he came up on it. It was like, boom, I'm, it, it's either going to be a fucking duck that's just going to die before it gets there, or it's going to go through. It was a line driver, like drill shot, like fucking Ronaldo outside of the penalty area. You know, whatever, fuck it. it. Of course he made it. Yeah, it was a hell of a field goal, and they should have never been in that situation to begin with. But situations happen. Man, I mean, shit, look at that Kyler Murray fucking bomb Jesus Christ. to uh, Hopkins. What a catch. To hell with the throw. The throw was like a 42-yarder. He bombed it into the end zone. He got it to where he needed to. But between three people, he verticaled over these three, catches yeah. it, and strong enough to bring it down and brings it down to himself and carries it into the end zone. What an amazing freaking catch, man. I would have freaking need them in the balls or something to make sure. Hell, I'll take the pass interference. They don't call but, pass interference. On and they don't Mary's call anyway. Yeah, right. They don't call pass interference in the end zone anyway. You could shoot a man. I know. One thing I will say, the positives, because we've talked a lot about the negatives, is that... Didn't I just talk about a positive? There was a hell can, of a play in another game. Well, that, yes, that <laughs> one. But they actually ran the ball 26 times in this game. They did? Yeah, amazingly. It didn't seem like it. it. Did, I mean, yeah, they, it definitely did. They threw, uh, threw 55, but... They can't run. They ran for 3.4 a run, and I don't know. I don't know what to say. Uh, You know, we've been saying run the ball, run the ball. 
They can't fucking run the ball. I thought you were going with a positive here. No, I am, no, but the at atten- least they oh, tried. The <laughs> they tried. They did try their little hearts out. And that fourth and 13 to Logan Thomas. I mean, what a fucking play. Oh, what a I, I don't, play. Why did he go for that? Would you have gone for that? Because I don't think I would have. No. I was thinking, is this another test for your quarterback? <laughs> hey, Haskins, thinking. get over here. This is how it's done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Strike, fourth and 13. <laughs> <They> can't, can't. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was a hell of a throw. Hell of a catch. Hell yeah. It was, yeah. It was incredible. Add some highs in that game. And then uh, Cam Sims with on oh. that third and 10. Oh, look at you. I love Cam. Been an original since the <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, I looked you know, at something today. Yeah, it was funny. I was reading something, and they said if they were to do his stats based on the two games that he's played, they said that he'd have if you put it into a sixteen-game schedule, <laughs> that he'd have seventy-six catches for like thirteen hundred yards. <laughs> yeah. Hey, <okay>. I mean, <laughs> oh, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm like, not saying he would do that. I'm, I'm just, don't, I'm, don't, I'm saying that Alex, me. don't humor me. Alex Smith is a big fan of his. And he he looks for him. He does. And he yeah. produces when he throws it to him. He's a big target. A guy like Alex Smith doesn't have the gun that he used to. But Hey, again, I, that's my positive for it. He played, honestly, the best that I've seen Alex Smith play with Washington, regardless of the stats. He played an all-around game. He dumped. He got the ball downfield. He looked like a real quarterback out there. I will not deny that. Made some bonehead plays to delay a game. The big sack lost. But every quarterback makes mistakes, regardless of how old they are or young. Um, but it's it's a tough pill to swallow for me to say this, but he was he was the best Washington player on the field. The thing is, moving forward, now that you're two and seven, what's the payoff? What are you doing? Hey, the Eagles lost. So <laughs> <laughs> And the math game begins. Sigiliano was on there on on red zone and he's already doing you know division winners oh, division leaders wild card teams in the teams hunt, in the hunt. <laughs> and you see little old eagles over there down at the, the nfc's i'm like oh washington's only one game back and they have the advantage on them right now oh, even i'm giants. doing it and it's so bad it's so pathetic i don't know why Noel. i just feel like this team at some point It'll be too late, as it always is with this team. But at some point, they're, they're going to put it all together. Well, at some point, they're going to have to play a game with meaning that's either going to put them in it or put them out. And that's most likely in one of those games is going to be happening on Thanksgiving. Because all the games that matter at this point, apparently to the NFC East, are the division games. So you better at least, and we talked about this when they were playing shitty about a quarter of the way through the season. It's looking like the NFC East is dog shit, and you better at the very least win your division games, and they're already behind the eight ball there even. So I don't know what the hell's going on, and I'm just, I just want to see some quality on the field and a couple of wins. Maybe the Thanksgiving game would be kind of nice. It would. It would. Well, all right. Let's move on to Matt Moderno. Hey! Hey, pull yourself together over there. Let's do it now. Let's let's bring it on. Let's get motivated. Be nice to him. He he didn't mean anything by <laughs> your non-invite. All right. On to Moderno. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
All right, let's bring in Wizards Insider, Bullets Forever contributor and host of Believe in Wizards podcast, which you can subscribe to. Well, not for Matt, obviously, but for Larry Hughes. He's on there, so in case you forgot. It drops, as the kids say, every Thursday. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Moderno and also at Believe in Wizards. He's the OG guest of the podcast. I think this is your third appearance. The only three, Pete, so far, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like Even Bram, it's only been two. That's saying something. Take that, Bram. <laughs> I have no Pete's on your show, though. I, you're um. next up, man. I, I was telling Matt, this is literally, this is the whole differentiator. Are you ready? I'm not a qualified enough host to do four people in a conversation <laughs> right. and manage that. I, I don't know how actual podcast it's, people do Just be do honest that. with him, Matt. You know the truth. It's uh, okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Is a personal thing. I don't you want don't to have the same, You don't share the same name here. So yeah, right, right. I, I said when we started this, I'm probably the third wheel. So now I think we've proven in other the last two conversations. I'm always the third wheel, and I try to jump my way in. So just be yeah, prepared yeah. for that. But I was going to say Matt Moderno, if you didn't know. But uh, thanks for joining us, Matt. Really appreciate it. And um, freshly coming off a SpaceX rocket launch. If you didn't know, actually, Matt works for SpaceX, if you haven't heard the other conversations that we've had. I work for the FAA. We do a lot of work with them, though. But we work with them. With them, yes. Not SpaceX does not sign his checks, right? But that's... I uh, wish. I'd be making a lot more money. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. But um, My my counterpart on the SpaceX side recently retired. He was 35 years old, so he was ready for retirement because his stock options vested. Jesus. You'd have three Teslas in the driveway by now. At least. Isn't that what they give you for your year anniversary, just a Tesla every year? Your, your Christmas bonus. I'd, <laughs> I'd worked for the government for 11 years before they gave me my five-year pin to congratulate me nice. for five years of service. So Congrats, that, that's what we get. You get a watch at like 50 years? I don't think like so. A, I think you get another pin. <laughs> You'll have to wait about 11 to get a pin from us too. So. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I like it. I'm going for the pin. <laughs> so obviously... Let's let's move on to the NBA, which you're here for, right? And which we're all here for. But the draft is tonight, and the Wizards have the ninth pick overall. What do you think they're going to do with it? Are they going to trade it? Are they going to move up? Are they going to move back? Are they just going to stay at nine? And there's a lot of conflicting reports of who they're going to draft. I know the ninth spot is a little bit dicey because it's further back, but what do you think? So there's a funny story from a couple years ago, the year that Anthony Bennett went first overall, and that shocked everybody. I want to say that was 20. 15? Yeah. 2016? Where they, they asked Bennett afterwards, did you know you were going number one overall? And he said, no, I had no idea. I thought I was going to go like seventh. Mm. And they said, well, why do you think they took you first overall? And he said, I think they just wanted to keep me away from Orlando. <laughs> he had no idea. Like, why would anyone give a shit about keeping a player away from Orlando? So it's a long-winded <laughs> way of saying, I have no clue this year. I don't think anybody does. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to go ahead and see guys. Enjoy the next space launch. Bye. <laughs> no, well, Godspeed. we're looking at what the primary players that keep coming up. You've got Okongwu. You've got um, what Halliburton, I guess. Okoro. I mean, those are like the main three guys. I guess it's been almost like an NFL draft lapse time where everybody's hallucinating and wondering who's going where. So out of those three, who would you prefer to have if those were the three that, that are projected? I guess by the time this airs, I should have a Bullets Forever article out there about all the what ifs. If they go big in the first round, who it could be, 
uh, if they take a wing in the first round, who it could be, and then vice versa in the second round. But I, I think you hit all the big names. Somebody's going to fall that people don't expect this year. So uh, if a Kong was off the board, a Koro was off the board, guys like that, do they pull the trigger on somebody like Obi Toppin with some talent? Do they pull the trigger on somebody like Killian Hayes, even though they don't really need a guard, but they think he's best available? There's some rumblings that Patrick Williams, who I personally don't understand yeah, why he would too. be a top four that? pick. There's always one guy every year, it seems like, that's just like crazy athletic and people watch more film and you have an even longer time than normal to talk yourself into someone. And by the way, he interviews really well. Apparently, like every quote of his is about how much he loves to defend people and nobody wants to play defense in the NBA. So I think that's helped his stock. So any of those guys, uh, Devin Vassell from Florida State, that's another name. That's probably the main crew, though. I mean, if they're going to go the route of, I've, I've been hearing like a, a lot more about Okoro, but I figure if they're going to go that route where they want a defensive stopper guy, you might as well go the Vassell route where he can guard three positions. He's versatile. He can do a little bit of everything. He can even pop the three every once in a while in a pinch. For me, I think that's a great backup in a spot where they really don't have a serious glaring need except the forward spot. And I just don't see a forward out there that's really going to solve problems right away anyway. Yeah, I mean, that, that roster has no small forward right now. Yeah. Troy Brown's not like a real small forward. I don't know what Bonga is, but I don't consider him like a 3 and D guy. So Vassell is probably the best off-ball defender in the entire draft. Acora is probably better on-ball. So for the Wizards, I think just having some guy that you know is in the right place, and like he might not be as locked down, but he's not going to do like dumb shit and get in other people's way. And he can spread the floor because I don't buy that Wall's jump shot is better from these pickup games we've been seeing. Oh, come on. You don't? Uh, so th- that that makes more sense to me. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. His shot's always... I heard him and Durant look absolutely spectacular. Oh, my God. <laughs> How many times do we have to hear this shit? Every off season, I just I want to see him play in a game. I don't give it. Yeah, just one, just one game. <laughs> yeah. We'll take what we can get. Yeah, exactly. You wrote that article about Hassan Whiteside. Uh, was not well received, by the way. No, that was not well received at all. It was, was freaking. It was terribly written, actually. Thanks. So. Yeah, usually is. <laughs> you get what you pay for. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I thought that was a good idea, right? What, who was who was against that? Apparently everyone in the greater Washington, D.C. area. Like I, I got literal tweets that were like, hey, you should probably kill yourself. Wow. Kill yourself. Yeah. That's pretty serious. Holy it's a little mackerel. strong. Yeah. 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 Everybody's a little testy. The I, election, you know, there's a lot of angry people out there. So you wanted to talk politics. So we're going to go ahead and do that now, Matt. Do it. All right. Totally kidding. But <laughs> well, I mean, how long have we been talking about Whiteside potentially coming to the Wizards, though? I feel like it's every offseason. It's yeah. every offseason. Whiteside's name rears its ugly head or positive head. It's one of those things where shit or get off the pod already with this guy. Somebody is going to have to take a smaller deal than they want. No one wants a starting center this year. Very few teams need them. They're not going to pay a lot for them. If you could get a guy like that for five million bucks, we wasted way more money on way shittier guys. So I would roll the dice on on someone like that rather than people that that don't make a ton of sense to me. Like Derek Favors is always hurt. He looks broken down for half of the year when he played this year. He'll probably make more money. He's, I think, less athletic. So, okay, yeah, there was one time in Miami where he was being kind of an asshole because he didn't get the playing time right. they promised him after a big deal. And, and now he's a locker room cancer. It's like, 
we'll know every teammate since has said like, I love that dude. He's a weird dude, but he played hard as shit for us. And I just don't buy like the empty stats notion. Like if you get rebounds, you get rebounds and someone on our team has to get them at some point. Well, I think when he was with Portland, I mean, you saw an immense difference when he was on the court. I I think that the team was better because of it. But I guess it also depends on if they're able to get Okongwu. I mean, if they can get him, then he's out. There's no sense in even taking him because he's basically, I mean, Okongwu kind of reminds me of like Antonio McDice Mm -hmm. type guy. That's what, I don't know, I pictured I'm dating myself, I guess. That's for but, sure. Yeah, he played in the NBA, Matt. I know you only go back, what, about five years. But Gilbert era. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my cutoff. <laughs> but that's – so for there, that deal would be off the table. I mean, if – I think it's a good idea to bring him in. I've wanted him for years. He's one of those guys where I said, okay, well, is it going to happen? But I guess maybe they're just waiting on what's available in the draft. Is that what you think? Yeah, I mean, so the free agency starts two days after the draft. Realistically, you can sign people four days after so you know what your team looks like. and. It's just one of those things where, like, if you want a good small forward, there are only, like, two or three of them, and they're going to cost you a lot more money. So you have a biannual exception for, you know, like, three and a half, four million dollars, something like that, and then the mid-level exception for almost nine. So you go small forward with one and a center with the other. The center you get at the biannual is going to be better than the small forward you could get. So I'd rather invest in a better small forward. Because to me, Thomas Bryant is already better than any of our small forward options. So it's like, okay, if you're going to have to get a bargain bin center, why not take a guy that if you shake away some of the off-court concerns would be a legitimate option? But don't you think he still thinks he's top money? He's still a difference maker when he goes to certain clubs. I guess you can take whatever you want, but someone has to give you that money. Yeah, that's true. True that. Would he start over Bryant? That's the question. It'd probably be a situational thing. It depends on how they look with Wall. But like Wall, every year he asks for a stretch five and or a guy that can actually like jump off the ground and dunk still. Yeah. And we, we haven't had many of those. Like Whiteside's over 30 and he'll still throw down a monster dunk or catch a lob through a guy every year. When, what was the last wizard to do that? Mm, Gortat. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Power layup, baby. <laughs> Mahin me? Oh, yeah. God. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know why you're getting the, the flack that you are. If you can get him at a bargain bin price, I don't think it hurts a damn thing. And even if he plays sparingly, if Bryant continues to blossom, he comes in as a backup. And like you said, situational things where he comes in on the defensive side, if they need some more boards, um, I, I don't see an issue with it. It doesn't hurt. I mean, the Lakers did well having a big lineup this year. It can't hurt us to have a little exercise. Well, going into the free agency market, you're looking at a shorter period of time. Now we've got the season starting December 22nd, hopefully, fingers crossed. Matt and I had talked on a previous show about this, the Berton situation, about that shorter period of time. They're not able to jump on private jets, go all over God's creation and be wined and dined. Are these guys going to be more comfortable staying with where they know um, and not being able to look at homes with their wife and go to these places and get schmoozed? Yeah, when, when you guys talked about this, I was like nodding my head in wild agreement listening to it because hey, thanks, I, I think for I, I think for him, that's huge. He doesn't know two shits about what Milwaukee is like right. as a city to live in. And it's not like he can go scope out neighborhoods to see if he wants to uproot. Like, you know, you're comfortable in D.C. They gave you a chance. The style of play is going to fit you. You have a chance that if you play really well, like let's say he took a shorter deal to bet on the money being better a couple years later, two years from now, 
he's going to get enough touches here to, to be able to play his way into a bigger deal. If he goes to LA or one of these places, like he's not going to be the third or fourth best player on the team. So to me, it, it just, it makes a lot of sense for him. And I, I can't see us like shortchanging him. So can you see a lot of one-year deals this year because of that? Even if they're unhappy where they are, you would think, all right, let me stick it out one more year so I don't have to go all over creation because I know that the season's starting in what, a month and a week. It's crazy how short this offseason. I mean, it was long, but now it's stuffing everything into like a month, which is nuts. You'd have to have somebody much smarter on than, than I am to talk about this with you guys at a, at a reasonable level. But there's all kinds of stuff about the player's escrow and, and what kind of cuts they're going to have to take and how it might get stretched over a couple of years. So a lot of these guys are actually like a Gordon Hayward that has a huge player option or Andre Drummond. You might actually see them opt out because they could get a longer deal this year locked in at the current salary cap when that stuff might actually go down in, in terms of longer term money they could make. So I think you might see some guys jump on the longer term security this year, as opposed to like the short one off, just, just to go the other way, uh-huh. because if, if you're only getting one more contract out of it, I'd rather lock it in at, at a reasonable rate that you're going to get this year. Sure. Okay. So Russell Westbrook wants to leave Houston, right? This is crazy, but I think you know where I'm going with this literally and figuratively, the exact same contract as Westbrook does. They both have three years. I think they're separated by like a half a million or something like that. Would it make sense, assuming that Harden stays in Houston? Yesterday, he said he wanted to stay. Now today, he's saying he wants to leave. You never know. But hypothetically speaking, if Harden stays in Houston, you would think that Wall would be a better choice for him being the past first point guard that he is. You don't want to keep a guy that's unhappy on your team, right? And you know that you can get a guy that hasn't played in three years. I mean, why wouldn't you make that trade, right? Is that possible? Is that something that's completely out of the realm of possibility? You think it's going to happen or could happen? I'm just not a Westbrook guy. Like there's a a book that came out a couple years ago and I'm blanking on the author, but it's called Boomtown. And it was about like Oklahoma City as a state, but also how that franchise got to be there. And there's all kinds of insider stuff about dealings with Westbrook and just like what a dick he is to like everybody that has to go interview him, you know, He's got like mean kind of condescending nicknames for half of the staff in the locker room. I'm and liking things this like guy that. more and yeah. more. You know? Yeah, <laughs> he'd fit in great here. But so like for all the stuff you have with John Wall, like he's great in the community. He's like reasonably loyal. Like he wanted to stay here. Now, granted, we threw a ton of money at him to want to stay here. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know, like Westbrook's also had plenty of injury stuff, too, and it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. Yeah, right. But I just love how competitive Westbrook is. Oh, you know, he just, God. He is. He's, he can run through a damn wall. I mean, he does. Yeah. He's he's a better player than Wall, Noel. He is. But he's ball dominant. What are you going to do? You're going to put him next to Beal? Then yeah, what? Well, Beal doesn't need to be ball dominant. He runs uh, I actually beg to around differ, with sir, that. The way that he's gone over the last two years. Yeah, the, he had to be without Wall. Yeah, and that's going to be a question that needs to be answered. But at least we know Wall will pass the ball sometimes. I mean, that is a question that will need to be answered, but at least they've coexisted to a certain extent. You're bringing in a whole different animal when you're bringing into Westbrook. Westbrook averaged triple doubles. I mean, he's out. Uh, I'm sorry, sir. I, I, I disagree. And plus, it just wouldn't behoove Houston to make that straight up trade. I mean, you'd have to throw something else in. They have no idea what they're going to be getting with Wall. No clue. No, I don't disagree. I'm just, I know it's a pipe dream. I'm just curious, you know, because if Russell Westbrook's unhappy and, and if he's as much of a dickhead as you say he is already, he's going to be even more of a dickhead. You think, let's get him out and get something for him. And potentially a guy, if he can prove that he's healthy in wall, 
you got a, the exact same contract. I mean, I'm sure they're going to want a haul for him, but I don't know. Seems like an easy trade, one for one. I'm sorry you had to be a party to that question, Matt. Really <laughs> the worst know. thing Wall does is play cards during an interview, which, once again, I <laughs> forgot to bring my playing cards for the start of this oh. interview. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Matt and I talked about that before, yeah. but it, it just I wouldn't mess with it. Like, the chemistry is such a fragile thing, and Wall and Beal seem like they finally are on the same page. Because they haven't played basketball together in three years. Of course, you know, once they step on the court, all bets are off again, you know? It just, it, it, Wall's got such an ego, which you have to be to be at the level he was at. You know, it took a long time to convince him that he should be the one taking fadeaway 19-footers at the buzzer, and, and maybe Beal should be the guy to do that. You have to start that shit all over again with Westbrook, because he's the man. Like, Agreed. I just, I can't do that anymore. anymore. Uh, does Wall know that? That's what he says. He said that? Yeah, I mean, he's talked this summer about how, like, they finally had their, like, you know, Brad's evolved as a player, and now I know, like, I, I can have trusted him to do that stuff, and we'll see. I don't see where you wouldn't, Matt Vazana, I wouldn't yeah. see why you wouldn't want to give this thing one last go. We've invested this long to see the band back together, and now you would want to blow it up at the 11th hour. It makes no sense to me. I mean, bring Bertans back. We've talked about this. See if this chemistry can work. And if it doesn't, then you blow it up. But to do it before the, the game has even started, it doesn't make any sense. But you ha have this delusion that Wall needs to be gone, and I don't understand why. I just want to see the guy play basketball, and if it's for another team, that's fine. If we can get something out of it... <laughs> No, like, and like he'll Russell end up Westbrook. being and and he'll end up being successful in another squad, and then you'll wish that he had him back, and then you know what will happen with Westbrook? He'll be here for one year and want to get the fuck out, and that's what what will end up happening. And we'll end up with nothing. If Westbrook had le you know less injury history himself and less years on his contract, I'd be like, all right, you know, where do we sign? Like, let's do this thing. But they're both long term deals. I think they both go through twenty twenty three. I, I want to say yeah. I have to look on the Westbrook one. And the guy's had knee surgeries, foot surgeries. He got his face dented. You know, like he, he's he's been pretty banged up too. So that would, and he that looks would like me. Muggsy Bogues on the Monstars. If anybody's mm -hmm. noticed, that's true. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I wanted to ask the obligatory Bertans question. With everything all involved, the shortened off season, the the COVID stuff, the this and that. What do you think now? Has anything changed in your mind that he's going to stick around? I would think it's in the best interest for him to do that. I mean. It's the best balance of stuff. They're going to pay you as much as anybody. Like, I can't see anybody giving him, like, a godfather offer. He's going to get the most playing time here, even if he start or doesn't start. He's just going to have to be in crunch time lineups because they'll need the shooting. It's probably of the places that can afford to actually pay him, the one that's got the best chance of actual some amount of postseason success that he could factor into. So if I'm him, you know, you've you've got your fellow Latvian brother in past sneaks on the team, like, Maybe that helps make you comfortable, and maybe that's what they're banking on. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would write it out. Uh, so, in your world, the perfect off season for the Wizards before the first game. Whoever they draft is is reasonably competent. It has a nice mix of can help right away, but also has some long term potential. It's not just, uh, hey, he's going to come in and be a decent backup, and that's all it'll ever be. You have to have some amount of like long-term growth potential, I think. You go out, you get Justin Holiday, somebody that shoots the three, plays respectable defense, is like a good citizen, and will help with locker room culture and study film and all those things that you want from a vet that you're going to bring in, but can still play at a reasonable level. It's not like the 37-year-old C.J. Miles thing from, from last year. 
And then you get whoever of the centers that is still reasonably productive, but you can get for three or $4 million a year at that point. So whether that's Aaron Baines or Tristan Thompson, whoever that is, somebody that just it gives you like a solid defensive guy to add to the rotation because Wagner was largely unplayable the second half of the year. So you, you can't rely on him to be like the full-time backup. So whether it's situational, you start Bryant or this new guy, it, it just sort of depends. And then you just ride it out. Like, you know, like you said, Noel, just, just give it one more shot here. Wall's trade value is not realistically going to get much lower. He's almost untradeable at this point other than than somebody panicking. So what does it hurt you to kind of give it like a last shot here. Right. That'd be my take. How about Brooks getting fired immediately? And then That'd be break? so cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'd be all right with that. All right, man. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for Thanks, coming Matt. on as always. Please check out the Believe in Wizards podcast on Thursdays with Larry Hughes and Matt. Obviously, follow Matt on Twitter. Anything else we should That's know all about? Good stuff. All right. No, appreciate it, guys. I'll try to have something more fun rocket-wise to talk about. <laughs> yeah, cool. We need you fully involved next time. <laughs> You know, I'll see what I can do. All right. I'll try to get you a job with SpaceX. Let me know. I'm in staffing, so I'll see what (laughs) I can do. All right. Thanks, Matt. Talk to you later. Thanks. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. We're on all major podcast platforms. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you like this show, please share it on social media. Again, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or the Facebook group, and our website, BeltwaySportsRoads.com. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you on Friday.